Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu, nasta'inu, nasta'khfiruh. Wa na'udhu billahi min shurur yanfusina. Wa min sayyati amalina man yahdihillah falamudillalah. Wa man yudlil falantajida lahu waliya murshida. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى alone We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides there is no misguidance for him and he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray, there is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashmi al-Qurashi is the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. رَبِّ شْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلِ الْعُوْتَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي وَفَوْقَوْلِي Alhamdulillah, we resume this class, our weekly class every Monday after the Isha' prayer and this is lesson 43 and we begin Hadith 28 part 1 Hadith 28 part 1 and as usual, we'll begin with the Arabic translation and we'll begin with the commentary but before that, we are in the month after Ramadan, which is the month of Shawwal. And what is the most important ibadah that one can do after obviously his prayers? That's wajib on all of you. That doesn't go down the drain. But what is the most important of this month that everyone makes note of? The six days. Six days of fasting in this month of Shawwal, which equates to with Ramadan, fasting the entire month, fasting the entire year. And this is a great virtue and is not something that you should take lightly. So anyone who has the ability to fast six days in this month, and if anyone driving in looked at the sky, they saw there was a full moon, which means you only have 14 to 15 days left. So make sure that you don't lose this opportunity. It's literally this week and next week. Make sure that you do as much as you can. Barakallahu feekum. We'll start with the Arabic. Of Hadith 28, Imam Al-Nawi rahimahullah says, عن أبي نجيح العباد بن ساريا عن أبي نجيح العباد بن ساريا رضي الله عنه قال وعدنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم موعظة وجلت منها القلوب وذرفت منها العيون فقلنا يا رسول الله كأنها موعظة مودع فأوصنا قال أوصيكم بتقوى الله عز وجل والسمع والطاعة وإن تأمر عليكم عبد فإنه من يعش منكم فسيرى اختلافا كثيرا فعليكم بسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين عضوا عليها بالنواجد وإياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل بدعة ضلالة رواه أبو داود والترمذي وَقَالَ حَدِيثٌ حَسَنٌ صَحِيحٌ Imam An-Nawi rahimahullah states he was narrated on the authority of the father of Najihin Al-Irbad ibn Sariyah radiallahu anhu said 
the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam delivered an admonition that made our hearts fearful and our eyes tearful. We said, O Messenger of Allah, it is as if this was a farewell sermon. So advise us. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I enjoin you to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you listen and obey even if a slave is made a ruler over you. He amongst you who lives long enough will see many differences. So for you is to observe my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided caliphs. Hold on to them with your molar teeth and beware of newly invented matters for every innovation is an error collected by Imam Abi Dawood rahimahullah and At-Tirmidhi who said it is an authentic hadith. It is sound and authentic. Now this hadith subhanallah personally is one of my favorite, most favorite hadith has a lot of fawaid. So we might be taking this hadith either in three classes or in two. But for today's lesson as I need something getting back into it. We'll go a little bit easy and we'll start off with the narrator of the hadith, the father of Najih, Al-Urbad ibn Sariyah. Now, Urbad ibn Sariyah was from the tribe of Bani Sulaym, and uh, Utbah ibn Abdin said عن, that seven of us came to the Prophet from Bani Sulaym, and the eldest amongst us was Urbad ibn Sariyah. The seven came from this clan, from this tribe, and they came to the Prophet ﷺ, and from them the eldest was Urbad Nasariyah and we pledged our allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ, they embraced Islam on that meeting. And subhanAllah, we don't have much information about this great companion, and we know that it is a great companion. Why? For a few reasons, inshallah, we'll go through it and go through some of the reasons, but one of the reasons is collected in uh, Musnad Imam Ahmad. And it is said that there is a verse in Surah Tawbah, verse 92, that specifically talks about those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardoned for not fighting alongside the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in jihad. There were certain companions that weren't able to go with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and fight alongside him in his wars. And a specific battle was being referenced to. And in one of the verses, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us something that is very beautiful. Very, very beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ إِذَا مَا آتَوْكَ لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ قُلْتَ لَا أَجِدُ مَا أَحْمِلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ تَوَلَّوْا وَأَعْيُنُهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ حَزَنًا أَلَّا يَجِدُوا مَا يُنْفِقُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, nor is their blame. Yani Allah is excusing this group of companions on those who came to you looking for a mount for you to give them. They were looking for provisions so that they can go out to fight with you. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, nor is there blame on those who came to you to be provided with mounts. When you said, O Messenger of Allah, I can find no mounts for you. I have nothing to give you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is telling us how they really feel, felt, those companions. He was capturing the moment for us. And he says, they turned back. They didn't want to even show you what they were feeling. They turned back when they were going back away from you, not being allowed to fight alongside you. They turned back and what did they do? They turned back while their eyes were overflowing with tears of grief. Grief, crying. Not because someone had died, not because someone wasn't able to give them something, for this dunya, no. What was it for? For the chance and ability to fight alongside the Prophet ﷺ. They turned away while their eyes were overflowing with tears out of grief that they could not find anything that they could spend in the path of Allah to fight alongside the Prophet ﷺ. But over here, the verse is telling us something. There was a group of people who came to the Prophet ﷺ who were asking something to be provided for them. They had nothing. They weren't able to go alongside the Prophet ﷺ because they had no provisions. They didn't have money. They weren't from the rich companions. Why is this important? Is Hujr ibn Hujr and Abdul Rahman ibn Amr al-Sulami stated as found in Muslim Imam Ahmad that Arbad ibn Sari an was from these companions who this verse was revealed upon capturing this moment of the grief they felt but what is important is that he had nothing and what is also important is just as Abu Hurairah an was from Ahl al-Suffa Arbad ibn Sari was also from Ahl al-Suffa now obviously what is Ahl al-Suffa Ahl al-Suffa were a people, yani Ahl al-Suffa, when you translate it, it's people who are covered. That's what the literal translation is. Those who are under a covering. But in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, when the Qibla was changed from Bayt al-Maqdis, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala free it from its current zulm that it is in, current oppression that it is under. But when the Qibla was changed from Bayt al-Maqdis to Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ then ordered the back of the masjid to be covered, for a roof to be installed. And they had nothing to even put the sides up. It was just literally a covering. And this was enough for who? The people who had nothing. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered a roof to be made, and it was made, and this became known as the refuge of anyone who had no place. And Abu Hurairah and others state, in a hadith that I found in Bukhari and others, in other places, in other books, that these people had no families, these people had no wealth, these people had nothing from the dunya. And they would go and live in that place. That's all they had. This was all the shelter that they could, they could find in Medina. And a lot of them were immigrants. They weren't from the people of Medina. They were the people who came to be with the Prophet ﷺ for the sake of being with the Prophet ﷺ. A lot of them had things in their hometowns 
in the places that they had come from, they weren't poor there, but they gave everything up for Sabilillah to be with the Prophet and to be with the Muslims. Very, very important. Now, subhanallah, the relationship that the Muslims had with Ahlul Sufa and Ahlul Sufa had with the Muslims is beautiful. Obviously, these were companions that weren't able to be partnered up with the, the, the people of Medina because they already had partners. So khalas, that's one whole section of the community done. This is separate to them. This is a whole different class of people. It's even more poor. They had nothing. So whenever something was given to the Prophet ﷺ from sadaqah, the Prophet ﷺ could not eat charity, he would give it to Ahlul Sufa. And he would go there, but he would not eat. And whenever something was given to him as a gift, he would give it to Ahlul Sufa, and he would then eat with them. Subhanallah. But there is one story, and that's, there are two stories actually, I'll start with the, the shorter one. Subhanallah, the hadith that we all know, if there's, two, if there's food enough for two, it's enough for three. The actual hadith is that if anyone has food that is enough for two, then let him take a third. Yani from here. Take one of these, take him with you. If anyone has food for four, take the fifth from here. If anyone has food for five, take and so on. And the Prophet ﷺ took a group. And subhanallah, the number of Ahl Sufa differed from time to time. Sometimes there was less, sometimes there was more. Generally it was 70 people. But there were other times it was much, much more. In one of the narrations, it says that one companion by himself took 80 of them to feed them. 80, that means there were more than 70. And other companions would do the same. And subhanAllah, they weren't just, yani, quote-unquote, drop kicks. They weren't just sitting there in the masjid doing nothing. They weren't spinning around in circles. They were trying their hardest to learn. Yani, ubadah. Radiallahu anhu said that I would teach some of them the Quran, teach some of them how to read, and they Abu Hurairah became a scholar in that time, and other companions that were there they became martyrs. They were fighting for Sabilillah. They weren't a burden for the sake of being a burden. They just had nowhere and no hope, yani in this dunya, and they only had the masjid, and the masjid was providing for them. But they tried to يعني, give back to the community, they tried to study, they tried to do as much as they could whether it was fighting alongside the Prophet ﷺ. and even some narration stated that they would try to work also يعني, they, they, some people, they just, subhanallah, even when they look they can't find subhanallah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trials them in this but one story, subhanallah khaliq, that shows يعني, a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ, and also the harsh reality that they experienced Abu Hurairah was one of the most famous companions who lived in Ahl al-Sufa or Ahl al people who were under the covering. And he, these companions would go on for days without eating. But sometimes it would just be too much. It would just be too much. And Abu Hurairah said that one time it was too much for me. It was too much upon me. So I went out looking for someone to take me in so that he could give me something, just to feed me. I needed something. So he says, I saw Abu Bakr. I saw Abu Bakr and I said to Abu Bakr, do you have the tafsir of this and such and such ayah? I asked him about a verse in the Quran and he says, nothing brought me to ask him except that I would hope that he would take me and see the position that I'm in, the hunger that I'm in, the weakness that I'm in, and he would say, come with me, I'll, I'll come to my house and I'll, I'll feed you. He says, that was the only reason why I asked him. Subhanallah. 
But they were so shy to even ask. They didn't want to go and look like beggars and say, can you give me something? They had a bit more humbleness about them. They had a bit more haya. They had, يعني, subhanAllah, they had reverence for themselves also. But anyways, hadith continues. This hadith is in Bukhari. And Abu Bakr answered the question and he walked on because sometimes Abu Bakr had nothing also. So Abu Bakr went on. And then he saw Umar radiallahu and he said, so I asked him about a question, about a verse in the Qur'an, and nothing brought me to ask him except that I was hungry, and that I was hoping that he would take me and feed me. He asked Umar radiallahu the question, and Umar radiallahu answers the question, and goes on. And then he said, فَرَأَيْتُ أَبَا Qasim." So I saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the father of Qasim. And he asked him, the same question that he asked Abu Bakr and Umar, but there's a difference. The Prophet ﷺ looked at his face and smiled. He looked at his face and smiled and said, Ya Abu Hir, come, O father of the cat, come, come with me. So he went, and Abu Hurairah is narrating this story, he went home and he asked his family when the Prophet ﷺ came, the Prophet ﷺ asked him about some laban. Uh, some milk that was there And he said where did you get, get this milk from He said such and such gifted it to you So it was a gift A gift not salaka So now the Prophet ﷺ has this bowl of milk And he's in front of Abu Hurairah And Abu Hurairah is يعني, On the brink of collapse From malnutrition Not, not being يعني, fed anything <laughs> the Prophet says, Abu Huraira, go call Ahl al-Sufa. Now Abu Huraira says, and he says, collected in Bukhari, he says, what does Ahl al-Sufa have to do with this milk? If they drink this milk, it's not going to be enough for me. I'm the one that needs it most. What? Ahl al-Sufa, if they start drinking from this, I'm not going to get anything. And he says, it. I was upset. And he says, nothing got me to do it except the command of the Prophet ﷺ. Nothing got me to do it. Except that the Prophet ﷺ said, Oh, Abu Hurairah, go call Ahl al-Sufa. And then Abu Hurairah in the hadith, he, he explains to Ahl al-Sufa, ah, that they're the weak of the uh, يعني, companions, they have no families. And he was explaining يعني, the position of Ahl al-Sufa. But the hadith continues, he goes and gets Ahl al-Sufa. And then the Prophet wasallam says to Abu Huraira, get the bowl and give it to Ahl al-Sufa. And Abu Huraira is saying, and every time I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it and I know that there's not going to be a nasib for me in this, in this milk. I'm not going to get to drink any of it. But he goes, I give to the Ahl al-Sufa and they drink until they are full and they give it back to me. Allah. This is people that are starving. People who have not eaten, some of them, for days. And there's a bowl of milk. And this hadith is in Bukhari. It is Sahih. And they drink until they are full. And they give it back. And we're talking about potentially 70 people. 
And Abu Hurairah is still upset that he has to do this. <laughs> He's giving to people and his thirst. And the Prophet told him to give to the others. He didn't allow him to drink yet. So he says, until I finished from all of Ahl al-Sufa, all the people who I brought, they all drank until they were full. And they gave me back the, the cup, the bowl. And then he goes back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam smiles. He smiles at Abu Huraira. And he says, Abu Huraira, it's now just me and you. We are the only two that haven't drank from this milk. And then Abu Huraira says, yes, ya Rasulullah. He knows. He knows. Radiallahu an. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam doesn't drink. And remember, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Used to starve with his companions also. Yani there's a famous story when the companions were digging al khandaq that the Prophet was also starving with the companions. The companions would lift their shirts. Some of them had one stone. When the Prophet lifted his shirt, he was carrying two stones. It's as if like a mental trick to trick your stomach that you have some food there to create a pain harsher than the pain of hunger. The Prophet also did not have. He says to Abu Huraira, Abu Huraira, you drink. Abu Huraira doesn't need a second, yani. You don't need to ask him twice now after having to call them, having to feed them, and now the Prophet gives him permission, so he drinks. And then he gives back. And the Prophet says, no, drink. Drink. So he drinks again. And then he gives back the bowl. He wants the Prophet to drink as well. The Prophet says, no, drink. Until, and he continues, until he says, I can't find a way for it to go down, Ya Rasulullah. There's no way, there's no way left. I'm done. <laughs> and the Prophet wasallam smiled. He thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said the bismillah, and then he drank from this. And this is a clear miracle of the Prophet wasallam, And it shows something يعني, that what type of position his companions عنهم, were in. That they were on the mercy of the Prophet and their companions at large. So something that is important that we يعني, I'm trying to instill here is a few things. One is that these people were cared for by the Prophet It says that the Prophet in some of the narrations it states that the Prophet never forgot about them. Never forgot about them. He was always; they were always on the back of his mind, and that whenever he would get a gift, the Prophet ﷺ would put them in front of others. He would go and he'd make sure that they would have something, and the Prophet ﷺ would encourage his companions to take care of them, and the masjid was for them. The masjid was made open for them. The masjid was providing for them. A place of refuge. And this is what the believers see the masjid as. Your heart feels at rest in the masjid. But not that, that they were taking advantage of the masjid. They were also coming and trying to make means so that they could improve themselves. Some of them learned how to read and write in the masjid. Some of them learned the Quran in the masjid. Some of them studied hadith in the masjid. And from them, we had some of the greatest sahaba who ever lived. Like Abu Hurairah and like Arbad ibn Sariyah Now, something that I want to give also uh, 
is that Irbad Nasariya was someone who feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nothing, and when you see uh, certain instances of someone's life, it gives you a glimpse of their personality. And one of the instances is that Muawiyah gave Al-Maqdad a donkey. Right? And this was, يعني, uh, assuming that this was in the time of, why this would be noted would be in the time of the Khilafah of Muawiyah, in the leadership of Muawiyah. And Irbad Nasariya was upset. He said that he shouldn't have given you this and you shouldn't have taken it. It's as if you have a piece of fire with you. And Maqdad felt so bad that he went and gave it back. But it shows that Irbad Nasari was a companion who would advise. A companion who if he saw evil, he would try to rectify. And a person that even if there was someone who was high in position, if there was something that needed to be made يعني, rectification of, he would try to rectify the issue. He was not someone who was يعني, fearful of the people around him. And radiallahu anhu, something that is important is that he passed away in the year 75 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, whoever lives after me will see a great fitna. We'll see اختلافا كثيرا We'll see a lot of differences A lot of differing And inshallah next week we'll go into that Something that's also very interesting Is that Arbad Nasariya narrated four hadith Four hadith And this hadith subhanallah I'm sure that all of you must have heard part of it One part or another of this hadith يعني, uh, Every Jum'ah يعني, We all hear فَإِنَّ كُلَّ بِضَعْتٍ ضَلَالَةٍ we all hear it every يعني, Jum'ah almost But subhanallah These four ahadith are small in comparison to يعني, The thousands that Aisha radiallahu anha did Thousands that Abu Hurairah radiallahu anha did But it shows that some companions And this is where I'm going to leave off يعني, Some companions are known through the ahadith That they يعني, gathered for us And they transmitted to us and it is as if that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen these companions radiallahu anhum ajma'een and he wanted to make some of those companions and use some of them to hold very important elements of this religion and it is something that is beautiful is that مثلاً, if it wasn't for these select ahadith of for instance Arbad Nasariya he wouldn't know who this companion was we'd have very limited information and something that is also important is that any time you hear hadith Arbad Nasariya, the hadith of Arbad Nasariya, it's this hadith specifically that we'll cover, inshallah, the remainder of next week. Barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi wa sallam. Jazakumullah khairan. Inshallah, we'll meet next week. Same time, same place. Barakallahu fikum. Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.